Amen. Glad to have Jim and his wife Doris with us today, and I really appreciate you serving in this capacity. This is good. I will continue on in our study of Job as we talk about the second friend today. We have already endured the first friend, Eliphaz, who was the oldest. And now we come to the second oldest friend who has been listening to Job. As he is listening to Job's response to Eliphaz, he's listening to Job in his misery experience. He's just having a hard time sitting still, Bildad is. We're going to pick him up. This is not a guy that you want as your counselor. Now, the other thing that I would say here is that as we're going through these three friends and Job's response, it's imperative that we understand that we are either in the position of counselor or counselee from time to time. We've all been in these circumstances, certainly not as dire as Job. But we've all had those situations where we've questioned God. We've, we've questioned, why me, Lord? And sometimes we get, we get poor counseling from others as to why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. Sometimes we counsel other people erroneously. And this is where we really need to draw the, the strength and the wisdom from these passages here in the 8th chapter of Job. The Bible says, Then Bildad the Shuhite replied, How long will you say such things? Your words are a blustering wind. Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against Him, He gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek their God earnestly and plead with Him, with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now He will rouse Himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. I liken these three friends to world wrestling. I mean, really, this is a tag team going on here. Job is the one that's being pummeled. He's being abused and beaten in the ring of life. And Eliphaz has just delivered as many blows as he possibly could to Job. Now he comes back into his corner and he tag teams Bildad. Bildad jumps over the ropes coming into the ring and lets Job have it. Boy, I mean with both. You look at what he says. How long will you say such things? Here's the attack. Job, verse 2, your words are a blustering wind. Wow. You old windbag. <laughs> is exactly what he's saying. Your speech is just hot air, Job. It, it means absolutely nothing to me. You're a hypocrite. You're, how would you like to be sitting in that experience with Job? Now these three friends, I want to remind you, had been there for some seven days without saying a word. And what a wonderful thing that was to sit with Job in his agony and his misery and not pontificate and yet when they when the silence was broken and they began to speak then the worst got worse 
So here is Bildad looking to Job and saying to him, Job, you're sitting there with your sores from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You're sitting on a garbage dump. Nothing is happening positive for you. And I've listened to you. You're nothing but an old bag of wind. Well, that's not something you want to counsel people by saying. I'm just saying this. That's not where you want to start out your counseling session. And then he says, to make matters worse, he starts attacking Job's children. He says, when your children sinned against God, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. But if you will seek God earnestly, he might restore you. So he is saying to Job, you know what, Job? Your children died because of their sin. Now, how would you like to have somebody say that to you? Or you say that to somebody who's standing there looking at ten fresh graves? Boy, I tell you what, this guy is full of himself. He's full of religion, but he's not in a relationship at this point with Job. He says, your children died because of their sin. And Job's thinking, now wait a minute. I have just said in my own experience with my kids that as, as we would have visits with them, I would offer sacrifice for them just in case that there was some unknown sin in their lives. I have dedicated my kids to the Lord. Maybe Bildad was just trying to exonerate Job from his guilt by stating that they were not killed because of Job's sin, but because of their own. Now, if you're thinking that's okay, it's not. You know, just take that theological training of yours, Bill Dad, and hit the road, is what I would say to him. Defending God. Some have said at that point, they would have reached over and punch Bildad in the nose for bringing the kids involved in it, for saying it's all their fault that all these things happened to them. Because Bildad doesn't really know. He doesn't know the heart of Job, as Eliphaz didn't. He doesn't know the heart of God. He doesn't know what God is about to do, or what He has done, what He will do in the near future. He has no knowledge, but he's got theology behind him. So here's his appeal. Three appeals. And by the way, in verse 3, I do want to mention this. He re resorts to defending God. For in verse 3, he says, Does God pervert justice? Does the Almighty pervert what is right? In other words, let me defend God at this point. Sometimes we get into trouble by thinking that God needs defense. Now here's the thing. Sometimes we step into that arena and we defend God when He actually doesn't need defending or doesn't want defending and knows that He can defend Himself. He's got this. Understand it. He's got this. So God will defend Himself and Bildad's defense was misplaced. But one of the worst things we can do for God is to misrepresent Him. You know, I look at Christianity over the last 2,000 years and God has had some pretty poor PR people 
A lot of people claim God has done something that He hasn't done, didn't do something that He should have done, will do something that He doesn't intend to do. And so God has you and I as His public mouthpieces, His PR pieces, and sometimes we try to step into that arena and defend God in a way that He doesn't want defended. And that was Bildad. So here is Bildad going into three particular uh, suggestions to Job. Number one, verse 5, he says, look to God. He says in verse 5, but if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your prosperous state. Whoa. What he's doing is he's insisted on God, on Job's confession to God. See, Job, you have really sinned. Your plight is great because your sin is great. That theme will run through all of the chapters of Job. They made that assumption that Job was a great sinner because his suffering was so great. Don't ever jump to conclusions on what God is up to you may be surprised at the end result. And it may make you look rather foolish in your own speculation. So he says, you know what, Job? If you just turn your life over to God, if you just confess about your sin. And Job's sitting there thinking, what? What have I done? Which he will respond to Bildad in our next time together, and confront God as well. But then he says, in verses 8 to 10, look to the past. Don't only look to God, but now look to the past. Because our past uh, theologians, philosophers, wise men, have a lot more things to say than we can understand. In other words, knowledge is not with the current generation, it's in the past. For he says, ask the former generation, find out what their ancestors learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing, and our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you? Will they not bring forth words from their understanding? In other words, Bildad was a traditionalist. He believed in the traditions of the past that would determine the future. He did not believe that there was much wisdom in the presence in the present times, but that it all came from the past. One man has said that tradition is the living faith of the dead. Traditionalism is the dead faith of the living. So here's Bildad. He's a traditionalist. He is espousing the dead faith of the living. He's not current contemporary in his walk with the Lord. He's not fresh in his experience with God. All he can rely on is the faith of his ancestors, people who have gone, come and gone times past. I don't know about you. Sometimes I hear people talk to me when I ask them, have you ever come to that point in your life where you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And what do I hear? You know, my grandfather was a preacher. 
Oh, he was a really good preacher, and, and my parents would go a lot. Well, my parents were, were Christians too. And you know, my dad was very active in church. Mother, was, mother had a Bible. Mother, mother studied her Bible a lot. They have no contemporary, no fresh experience with the Lord Jesus Christ. They are traditionalists in that sense that they are more bound with what has happened with previous generations than they are in their own walk with the Lord at present time. Wow. John Wesley said, You may be as orthodox as the devil and as wicked. Jesus said it to those great scribes, teachers of the law, in Mark 7, verses 6 through 8, Jesus said, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Then he continued by saying, You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. He said again in Matthew 15, 3, Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Wow. Well, you can be a traditionalist. You can say, well, let me tell you what I heard a preacher say years ago. Let me tell you what I was told by my grandfather. Let me tell you what the church has taught me years ago. What does God say at that particular moment to you in your heart? They're still not listening to Job's pain. They're still not paying attention to his suffering. They're only responding still to his words. Well, not only did they uh, ask him to look to God, they told him to look to the past, Bildad said. But now he says, look at nature. There is a cause and effect, Job. Just look around you at nature. Let's pick this thing up at verse 11. He says, Can papyrus grow tall when there is no marsh? Can reeds thrive without water? Of course they can. He says, While still growing and uncut, they wither more quickly than grass. Job, you're withering. I'm watching you, you're deteriorating. You're depressed, you're discouraged, you're despondent, you're withering away in front of our eyes. You're just like the papyrus, you're just like the reeds that when they're pulled out, when there's no longer any water source, they just wither up and I'm watching you wither up. He says, such is the destiny of all who forget God. Obviously, Job, your problem is you've forgotten God. Not only have you not confessed your sin, not only is your sin so great, but you have forgotten God completely. That's why you're withering up, Job. Partner, suck it up, son. And then he says, While still growing and uncut, they wither more quickly than grass. Such is the destiny of all who forget God, so perishes the hope of the godless. Oh my goodness. There is nothing in the Scripture that ever says that Job was anything other than an integrous, godly man. 
There's nothing that indicates that his children were anything but that. And yet, the assumption is made by these three friends that Job's suffering is great because his sin is great. And Bildad just put it right out there. Job, you are a godless individual. There's a reason why you're withering up. Then he continues by saying what they trust in is fragile. What they rely on is a spider's web. Now he goes to the spider. They lean on the web, it gives way. They cling to it, but it does not hold. They're like a well-watered plant in the sunshine. These luxuriant plants. Spreading its shoots over the garden, it entwines its roots around a pile of rocks. But then when it's torn from its spot, they... That place disowns it and says, I never saw you. Its life withers away, and from the soil other plants grow. Job, you may have been a luxuriant plant at one time, son, but those days are gone. And there's a reason why God has uprooted you. What is it? Well, he's already told him what it was. You're a great sinner. You're a godless man. You're a bag of hot air. You're nothing, Job. Wow. I don't know. That is the cause and effect argument. We use it all the time on ourselves. We use it on others. We make assumptions that we shouldn't be making. Wow, look at them. They have this particular illness or they have these particular tragedies or they have, have this dire circumstance or situation going on in their life because obviously they're not walking with God. They must be godless and God must be punishing them because of their godlessness. Don't we make those assumptions in our heart when we look at people and some of the experiences? We know, you know, there are people in your life, in my life, who, sin, who tend to have much more of Job's encounters than I could ever imagine. I look at them and I think, wow, none of that's really happened to me. I mean, I've had some situations, but it just seems like there's one after another with some people. And that's what we wanted. We want to make some assumptions. Wow, if I only knew why. God doesn't give him an answer why. And we make the assumption, evidently, you, you've got unconfessed sin in your life. You must be godless. You must be a reprobate. What's wrong with you? Your suffering's great because your sin is great. Well, let me give you the assurance. This is what Bildad should have said and left the rest alone. Pick it up with me at verse 20. He says, surely God does not reject one who is blameless or strengthen the hand of evildoers. Hey, Job, God will receive you. God is there. And to this audience today and those who are watching, I want to tell you, God waits for you. He physically seeks you out. He searches you out. He takes the initiative and He did take it through His only begotten Son, Jesus, to seek you out. And God is always there to receive you. He's that prodigal's father who is pacing the porch, searching the horizon for your return. He will always be there to receive you. 
Good word, Bildad. Secondly, your joy will return. Verse 21. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter, your lips with shouts of joy. Joy is the serious business of heaven. He will one day restore your joy. Some of you are on, uh, know people that are on death's door. The joy will be restored to them, if not in this life, but in that which is yet to come through Christ Jesus. Joy. Wow. The Bibles tell us in the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep that there is joy in the presence of the angels of heaven over that one soul that repents. Joy is a serious business of heaven. And that joy will be restored to us one day in Christ Jesus. And then thirdly, our enemies will be silenced. Verse 20. 2 and 23. He says, verse 22, Your enemies will be clothed in shame. The tents of the wicked will be no more. Wow. You know, Bildad has no idea what he just said about himself. He is saying that one day I'll even be put to shame. And that word came from the Lord. One day, that he will make your enemies your footstool. One of these days, that'll all transpire. Well, what is the message here today? Is that the final few verses here, the final three verses of Job 8, is our admonition. It's a word of warning to us as counselors, as advice givers as advice receivers, that we may not understand why we're experiencing what we're experiencing. We may not know what God is up to, what He's trying to accomplish in our situation and circumstance, our health, our finances, our relationships, etc. But we do know this, that in the end, God will receive us. God will... Uh, allow our joy to return and our enemies will be our footstools. And sometimes when I look at Job and his three friends, quote, in quote, friends, I think sometimes you need circumstances like this to really flush out who your true friends really are. H.L. Minken put it this way, there is always an easy solution to every human problem. Neat, plausible, and wrong. That's where Bildad was. Neat, plausible, and wrong. He gathered up all of his theological premises, things that he had heard from times past, and laid them at the feet of Job with the wrong conclusions. Now my question to you today, you're, you're struggling with whatever you're struggling with in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever trusted Him uh, with all that's in you? Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. There's a lot of people that's trying to live on the faith of previous generations. 
or on the experience of somebody else. But you've never had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you, today, you'd like to trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. This invitation is for you. Maybe you're looking, uh, you've never publicly professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never followed Him in baptism by immersion, which is what He asked us to do. Maybe you're looking for a church home. This is where you want to serve God. We want to have you here in this church family. You can help us draw closer to the Lord, and we can do the same for you. We are a church family. And I know that you're looking for a home. We have a place for you, a place of service. This invitation is for you. Would you stand with me for prayer? Our most gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for who you are, for what you're accomplishing here. Lord, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to know you, to love you, to be received by you. Lord God, to open our hearts to you, to literally become open and vulnerable to whatever it is that you have for us. Thank you. Jesus, we praise you for who you are. Thank you for these decisions that are being made. Lord God, may we honor and glorify you through them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be here at the front as we sing the hymn of invitation. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about whatever the Lord has laid on your heart. Won't you come?